Episode 34 of High Fantasy, member of the Broken Judges Network. Uh, so who's been productive since 33? Oh, not me. I've been terrible. <laughs> like, I've had so much shit going on. I just can't, like, keep my head. Like, there's just too many resources draining the CPU right now. I've probably got about a thousand more son, maybe. Cool. I I've... try to sit down every once in a while and mm-hmm. get, like, 500 words done, and I think I've done that a couple times since last time. So we're assuming 500 a pop and then at least two times. So that's where you get the thousand words from? Roughly. Okay. (laughs) That's roughly accurate. I was thinking of my Victorian story and setting and I got a little frustrated with how restricted it can be if I try to stick to historical accuracy. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to (laughs) try to the the whole fantasy setting. Like I'll just put Victorian setting inside a fantasy world. (laughs) So I basically have to start from scratch, although I'm happy it doesn't really affect my plot outline so far. But it will, which is like, I don't, maybe took a gigantic step backwards. (laughs) You never know. But sometimes you have. Yeah, whatever gets the story ready to start. I'm a little excited for all the, like, it essentially gives me freedom to do all sorts of crap. (laughs) But then I have to figure out all of those details. And that's a bit intimidating. Because now I know how much of an undertaking that is. Because I've done it before. Several times. <laughs> I'm mad because I've made myself more excited for the plot of one of the future books in the series than I am for the first book. Oh. Well, then do the second book and just have, like, the first book. It's like the story. fourth book. Screw oh. it. Hey, I, I just told him Sanderson. Four, so. well, I'll just do what Sanderson did. I'll write the next book while trying to write the first book. I, maybe that works, but Sanderson says put all the interesting crap in the first book because if you don't make the first book good, they won't get to the fourth book. True. Which is true, but sometimes you need that buildup. I don't know. Yeah. He suggests putting everything all up front in the first book. Kind of hard to do. And, then you don't have anything to reveal later. Right. Especially since he's a person who will have twists at the end of like the second book. He's got nothing to complain about. <laughs> And his is also the one that takes like three different series of books to get to the main point. Yes. Yeah, he should shut up. <laughs> okay. Um, before we veer off, and this is a Sanderson episode, let's talk about the topic of this actual episode, which is, I have no fucking clue because we deliberately made it no homework, no preparation. We're going to just go with it. Well, it's sort of We're a... Throw out ideas. Yeah. The yeah. idea was to come with something really obscure to see if we can't world build and make a book out of it. And I think we each three of us have one thing that we can use mm-hmm. to throw into a pot and make a story. Right. And who knows? Maybe we'll just combine all three of them and write a book. I was going to say, because I had a setting. Alex had a plot uh, character I issue. And issues with a certain fantasy race. So I thought maybe that would be enough. And Jacob had... A magic system. Well, not even a magic okay. system. An idea of a, a way to do, do magic. <laughs> and that's about it. Okay. So we already have a story here. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Uh, setting. Oh, I was going to say uh, alternate future Earth where the Roman Empire has conquered the entire Earth and is expanding into space. Okay. Uh, See, so my race is... where but... are you going to make the... Um, like, what are, is... It, like is Caesar never gonna happen, or does he not get? Killed? It was post Caesar. Okay, so like, so where does Roman like? Because there's so many places where if you change oh, yeah. the history, you know, the Roman Empire could have you know survived. You know, does Christianity not take over? Does the East and West not split? Do they split and get back together? No, no split, no schism, right? Because it has to be combined. Yeah, they- well, I'm saying you could have the schism and then reconsolidate. And then, True. You know. And then you have the fun blips of history with like anti-popes and crap. Those are fun. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, yes, do, but... you know, does whoever not ever cross the Alps? Like, <laughs> like there's so Animal. many points. Yeah. There's so many points where you could say this is where we divert. I mean, you could do uh, up until just about the fall of Rome, except they then reunite with the east and fight back the mongol hordes and mm-hmm. mongols yeah that's a, and a big go back to, yeah we go all the way up until that point and then the romans actually win don't lose and don't die off so is this okay. like 
like when so, in the future like how far like are they going into space in the 1960s yes. or well actually that does beg the question of what would have history would have looked like if the roman empire hadn't would they have advanced technologically quicker well if you can miss the dark sure. ages right I feel like you have to assume that things would have advanced a bit quicker if the Mongols hadn't destroyed as much as they did. But they, Mongols never had like buildings. They had tents, whatever you're going to call them. And they were pushed back very easily by buildings. So maybe they wouldn't have affected things as much. So we're somewhere in the near future with the emperor of the Roman Empire ruling all of Earth. They've advanced into space-faring technology and are beginning to probe the surrounding regions. So is it like outside of the solar system probing? Like, have we gotten to Pluto and colonized that shit they, yet? Or probably, trying to get to Mars? Yeah, like where? I don't know. Are so, we going to start running into aliens? So, so Colin, you're taking space and putting it in Stellaris, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you just continued from CK2 all the way up into Stellaris. So CK2 into EU4 into mm-hmm. Stellaris, okay. Yeah, okay, this is fun. Um, <laughs> so if you're going to go with the structure of Stellaris and you already have your home system, it may not be all colonized, but you've got control over it, and then you're going outwards into the galaxy. It's Stellaris. It's awesome. You should play a lot of it. See, <laughs> for this setting, because you – you know, assuming the entire world is run by one central government, right? You would be able to pull in the smartest people and fund them in one central location instead of having multiple countries or multiple people working on the same thing at the same time apart from each other. So yeah. maybe, and then, you, and then you don't have like these major world wars that have all these, you know, destructive things. You don't have all sorts of that. So... Maybe you, we could hit it. Could have hit space by like the 1740s. So instead of colonizing America, we've been like putting people on the moon since like for like 400 years or something. At the same time, all forms of colonization has like issues and resistance and like time having to be spent to make that stable. And without as much competition, well, like in the, the 50s and the Cold War and basically the the race to right. a science superiority if those didn't happen maybe things would have been slower right right that's the other thing is are you have we run into a thing where because war does advance technology whether you like it or not war advances technology like crazy yeah i so, mean if rome was still in power maybe napoleon didn't happen and logistical things that he accomplished didn't happen and everything stayed static for longer right it could really it could be because they do say that there's some evidence of a working incandescent bulb from like um oh the li- the library the the great li- the great library of Alexandria. Uh, Alexandria. They say there was like stuff for that then, and you know that set humanity back a thousand years. So why did that have? So you could make it your alternate history of uh, Rome succeeded because the Library of Alexandria didn't burn down. <laughs> Yeah, we had lights much earlier and were able to have universities up and running much quicker. And if you just really wanted to piss off like half the world, you just like have Jesus like be like, screw it, I'm just gonna go be Roman now and like give allegiance to (laughs) to Caesar. (laughs) (laughs) Like he got this demigod rolling around, you know, like Darth Vader, like, but it's Jesus. Um, because like 40k has the ridiculous sci-fi version of basically the god emperor kind of an empire. Yeah, they're the Romanesque, uh, German-esque too. It's yeah. weird. But, but then they've got the whole space marine chapter that's dedicated to like Roman mm-hmm. with multiple sets of organs. Yeah, well, there's one specific chapter of space marines that dress in all like Roman style armor. See, they like, carry that quite really. Part part of me like just thinking about this imagines those civilization campaigns where you get like fully automated weapons and like you know one thousand BC. <laughs> so you're rolling in with tanks and everyone else still has like <laughs> a horseback and shit. <laughs> or I mean that's another way you could do it is somebody in Rome figured out a one technology that was able to take over the world because it was so advanced. Like maybe they figured out, you know, bullets first or something. 
or airplanes or whatever. Because <laughs> if you had like an airplane and, you know, zero BC or whatever, you would pretty much rule the universe. Oh God, I was just reading, um, there's a chapter in the Great Hunt, the second real time book, where Rand is in like this weird parallel, could be world. And one of like the weird things he sees are these trails in the sky that are like extremely straight cloud lines. And it's like, okay. are they jets? Like what's going on here? He never actually goes back and explains what the hell that was. It's just like, oh, there's jet shells in the sky for some reason. Hmm. Okay. 14 books later, they never get an answer. (laughs) Well, I mean, it it is supposed to take place in a Earth or past, but like there's reference to things Wheel of Time is. Mm, Okay. But like he just happened to run into a where his jets fly, except everyone was dead. It really. Hmm. But yeah, aircraft society. Oh, yeah. And he probably just worship you. (laughs) Uh, That's a like, you know, World War I style, like barely even airplane. (laughs) <laughs> but that's a thing that happens in the um, New Guinea, in Papua New Guinea. Um, the tribes, they don't understand what an airplane is, but they know it's a thing that brings supplies and they see it happening. It has a specific name and I don't remember it, but no. it, as soon as they saw planes, they started worshiping them. Well, I mean, I can kind of see. Yeah. So now I'm picturing rather than us being visited by aliens it's the roman empire in space is visiting primitive situ- civilizations on other planets and the roman empire the from the moon <laughs> <laughs> but like we we always picture aliens coming and visiting us and being super high tech and stuff no caesar was an alien i don't i don't remember the name of the movie but there's this movie out there where um it's set in present day but like the Nazis put a base on the dark side of the moon and been hanging out for like 70 years and then come back to take over the earth. It's really funny and actually kind of good, but yeah, it's just kind of what it made me Wolfenstein games. You go to the Nazi. I never made it far enough, but I think you do. Yeah. I'm not sure. Iron sky. That's what it is. (laughs) Nazis come back moon. That would suck. (laughs) So really how much can you get done on them? Who's to say? Okay. So, So yeah. Uh, my uh, my idea for a magic system thingy. In my head, it's for an urban fantasy book, but I don't I have no idea for this. Yet. So the idea is that, um, especially structures, you know, buildings and that kind of stuff, they absorb the energies around them. So if you know, if it's a house, a home, you know, somewhere where a family resides, it tends to draw more positive energies and if it's you know something else that draws more negative energies and these wizards can essentially reach into the ether of these structures and pull out the pull out magic and use it so you know in a place where there aren't many structures the magic would be less unless it's been a really traumatic event there like a battleground or something so I mean that would give you some really interesting reasons as to why things tend to happen around cities and people gravitate to that. Uh, would also give you a way to like take power away from people. Be, you know, you put them out in like the wilderness where there's nothing to draw from, so they're just human again or whatever. So that's all I have, but it's an interesting idea. So it, it is sort of why you know buildings that aren't used uh, sort of decay, even though they even if they're up, you know. Even if someone is keeping them up, if if, uh, if people aren't living in it, it kind of dies. The building itself kind of dies. So I don't know the best way to use it, but that's my idea for magic. So it's a futuristic urban fantasy story set in a sprawling, super advanced Rome. <laughs> that works. That works, oh, yeah. Roman aqueducts of energy. It's dumb shit. <laughs> The Roman aqueducts are now like channeling magic between buildings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could work. Okay, here's my thing. <laughs> I just like the way gnomes are usually presented in fantasy because they are either guarded gnomes and nothing is done with them or they're crazy med scientists and that's it. I think gnomes should be presented with complexity. Not that I really know what that should be because I don't particularly like them. I just got irritated <laughs> with the fact that they're always simplistic. <laughs> so a... Gnome in downtown Rome has to stop someone from channeling the building magic into a something problematic. Or a gnome who's a bad wizard starts to like channel magic in a bad way. The gnome is the problem. What if gnomes are Roman? Like all of the Romans are just gnomes. Everyone's a gnome. Gnome and Roman? Caesar was but a gnome. Then- 
<laughs> Did you just want to say that? <laughs> yeah, that's right there. <laughs> Why? He's right there. It was right there. But if everyone's a gnome, no one's a gnome. Except for aliens. Where is the story going? <laughs> we didn't have like forethought put into this. Yeah, we didn't even know we were combining the stories till we got here. So. And then we are like, oh, we each have a piece of a story. It does not work together, really but okay. Well. Yeah, the gnomes was kind of a little field. Hmm. Sorry. So with the magic, in theory, there would be a finite amount that can, you know, be regenerated as things live there. It doesn't necessarily, it, not a finite amount of like, there's only a limited amount in the world if it's right. just being generated by people's emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can. It's it's generated by people. It kind of seems like they could do like what uh, Stormfront bad guy was doing. It was like causing emotions in people to get energy out of it. Hmm. Factory farming people's emotions for energy, like the. So you just pile people in buildings and make them feel things, so that the building has good magic to it. Or think of Rick and Morty car batteries. Yeah, I was about to go there. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. man, that that creates this entire Which one was like, that? supply and demand episode. The one where Rick is like, he creates a mini mini universe of power his car, and it's running out of power because they created a mini universe to power their society. It's like slavery. Mm-hmm. Which season? Four steps. Season two. It's the one with Colbert in it. I'm pretty sure it's season two. I mean, there's only three hey, seasons. No. So I got a good chance here. Yeah, I didn't watch season three, and I'm not remembering this one, but maybe I just forgot about it. Yeah. It it was a pretty good one because like dealing with the fact that Rick's a terrible person. Yeah. Like he, of all of the war crimes a person can be uh, charged with, he pretty much did all of them. <laughs> it's like slavery, but with more steps. Mm-hmm. Someone went to university. <laughs> I don't remember which episode. Someone went to the Library of Alexandria. <laughs> uh, somewhere in season two. Yeah. Uh, I think it's episode two, uh, Morty Night Run. It's, um, I just had it on the go. Uh, season two, episode six, the Ricks must be crazy. Yep, yep, there it is. Yeah, that universe was then trying to create a sub-universe. It was like layers upon layers. <laughs> so it was a mini-verse, a micro-verse, and then a teeny-verse. Right. And then probably on and on and on. But you see, if we're going to really try to combine these ideas... It seems kind of fun if gnomes are like the power output for society doing crazy things with energies and aqueducts or whatever. But aren't they now just the stereotypical gnomes again? Well, I think that's a good way of kind of highlighting a similarity, but you could make them unwilling to do it. Like they're slave labor. They could be put on emotional treadmills or something because they're not (laughs) human. I don't know. I don't like strong racism. Highlight, yeah. I don't like yeah. speciesism to deal with, but like, so it's an, so far a simple thing to do to gnomes to make them more interesting. Enslave them, yeah, <laughs> that's such an end, but it's sympathetic. So, is the hero a gnome who uprises? Is it like, like, what kind of thing is like, where's the tension? And, or is it one of those things where we just know it's happening and know it's terrible, but it's not really the main part of the book? I'm okay with that. Like, the reader sees it and they expect it to be, like, a main thing in the book, but you just let it happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sucks for the gnomes, but that's the way it is. <laughs> and maybe, or, well, you could also pull from that, um, that Black Mirror episode with, like, all the TV and stuff to where, like, they're on the bikes and they earn credits and... You know that? Oh, yeah. It's I'm a, pretty sure that was a prison. Yeah, pretty sure it was too. But you could do something like that to where like, they could potentially, potentially, air quotes, earn their freedom if they, if they experience enough. So you have these gnomes who are like pushing themselves farther and farther into like different emotional states to try and generate more power or more magic. You know, it ends up driving them crazy. And so you have the you know death death ball type tv shows from like the 80s where you know all those movies were popular like it was like death race and um there's a schwarzenegger movie i don't remember which one it was i thought that was the death race one Mm, no i don't think that i think that was different i know schwarzenegger was in like a a movie of 
in a futuristic competition, he had to survive because a bunch of people were coming to kill a bunch of other people. Right. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a whole there's genre also- of movies where, like, if you survive long enough, you you get your freedom or the something like man. that. Huh? Yeah, that one. That Running one. It was Man. Man. Yeah. That movie. That movie was ridiculous. I barely remember it, but I know it existed. So, if take like a Black Mirror <laughs> turn, I was wondering if like we're trying to manufacture emotions out of people, and they're doing space marine training, and they're accidentally going to spawn Cthulhu if they overdo it, <laughs> just to put okay. Lovecraft in here. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. It's sending out a signal out into space to outsiders. Space gnomes. <laughs> Who are actually 10 feet tall. Who <laughs> come gnomes. to save their enslaved counterparts. They are gnomes on their planet. The people there are 100 feet tall. So how tall are these Romans? <laughs> no idea. Are the Romans not gnomes anymore? I, I don't know. <laughs> are we still using Romans? We don't know. But this works because I actually started listening to um, uh, Starship Troopers here this week. So we have enslaved gnomes who are being used to manufacture feeling that somehow that that somehow are is being harnessed by some magic users and transported to other places. You could do something like terrible things have to be done to create energy, but the energy allows for a bunch of good things to happen. How do they do? They power their spaceships and stuff with this. Yeah, Could like it, isn't that something? To, warp. Okay. Oh god, the the warp in in forty k. I don't remember a whole lot of the details of it, but maybe. Um, you have to have a psychic guy on board who kind of tears a hole into null space, and you go into it. Maybe gnomes are the only ones who can do it, so the Romans have to utilize them. Well, yeah, that's just forty k. Like you're pretty much a, they're just kind of slaves. They're really respected, but. Really they're also strapped to uh, chairs. Yeah. chairs to like die for thousands and thousands of years. Well, yeah, space travel can go warp travel can go really, really wrong, really fast. <laughs> and usually, it starts with the guy who's channeling. He gets possessed by a demon. Ooh! In all this is a setup. Some like a story on a ship. Like the main story takes place on like some ship on the edge of uh, you know, the solar system, very event horizon type thing. <laughs> Congratulations, we're writing a horror novel. Lovecraftian? Are we, are we going that yeah. far? Well, could be. Okay. Well, saying, could well here's, an, here's an idea. We could sort of combine it with Star Trek. So instead of like getting warp drive with like matter and anytime matter, like there's a way to like push light and dark magic together that causes an explosion, like a metaphysical explosion that can be harnessed to power engines. And that's why we have to have all these different emotions because we use it to fuel our cars so to speak some slaves get tortured and some slaves mm-hmm. get thrown away. yeah they they, they get the best things ever they get to live the ultimate life i, I mean collide into you can try to to balance out like okay so evil people get tortured good people get rewarded and try to like it's not so bad you know but keeping still it enslaved gnomes right i don't know or maybe that's what they do to the prison population <laughs> Exactly. It's like, it, okay, Black Mirror in, in fantasy gnome land. It's go get tortured. It, you know, like White Bear. But the thing yeah. you, you would exactly have to, like White Bear. That, you would have to sell it as part of like, you know, you were chosen to suffer for God or something. You know, it'd have to be that kind of thing. So people would actually volunteer to suffer because it was godly. Or, or if, if you just like, if you take someone who's convicted, like a serial killer, and that person is just going to be tortured forever as their punishment, white bear episode, black mirror like. And then you have someone who gets to have fun all the time, and then they just power the ship. And so they're just there as people with their functions. Oh, so you're actually like using, like, you have these two people in the engine room <laughs> that yeah. are funneling. Oh, that could be weird. <laughs> it's like the uh, experience machine thought problem but malicious sort of to get a ship moving so you can take over the galaxy <laughs> or maybe one fight ship. Cthulhu. Then if you want to keep it to one ship, this is how you can have all those elements represented. Yeah. And then something breaks in these like light and dark emotions start spreading through the ship or there's some kind would... of radiation that they didn't know about from the magic that starts influencing the people on the ship. 
was kind of thinking, what if like you've got a like a rebellious anarchist, crazy person, something of that line, and then they wake up the people who are powering the ship. And so it's just kind of floating listlessly, and they have to subdue the people and get them back in. Ooh, I mean, there's a lot so of there's a lot of really interesting moral questions there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then and then of course you know the the person on like the bad person who was you know powering the engine was like the worst person ever so he's got all these like magic skills and he's murdering people <laughs> going crazy yeah it'd be good for for the bad punished prisoner person to be genuinely evil mm-hmm. to, to make that and then but you have to force someone to be in an experience machine Right, and that would be hard. So they, they realize that this guy, or person, is a really cool gnome, and they got like, like well, and he doesn't want to go back because he's stuck, and he realizes his life is a lie. Yeah, I mean, if if whenever you tell someone the, the experience machine idea of just like go into a machine and everything is perfect and as you want, your life gets to play out exactly as you want, would you do it? People usually say no, and they're not often able to explain why. So. If they have to, like, the evil person belongs in the evil punishment chamber. Okay, but putting someone who's not evil into a happy place still makes people feel sick. Yeah, and so you have these two people. Well, then what you could have is the evil guy and the guy you're trying to shove in the happy engine, uh, like, team up to, like, murder everyone on the ship. A lot of moral things. You know, people go crazy when locked in a, a room isolation is a terrible thing and then if you're just like the still the idea of like one ship out in the space limited number of people going crazy it would have to be a bigger ship just to make this work it can't be like how big like i mean i wouldn't say more than 20 people depending. i always think it more like you know star trek enterprise kind of level you know four or five hundred people is one person in each uh box enough for something as big as the enterprise sure it can be. I mean, it's our story. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Yes, it, just, it seems not enough. Well, that's how like powerful these emotions are, this like emotion magic. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking kind of a lot like the Event Horizon size ship, those people. Well, I was thinking like if you make it, you need it to be a bigger ship so you can have that cat and mouse chase kind of feel for mm. the book. I, I, think, I think that would be be able to have the most tension is so you got to have places for them to hide essentially hmm. and then well, like then alien. like a holodeck colin we can't hear you if you're trying to talk uh it says you're muted can you hear me now yeah yes my microphone disconnected for a second it must have uh, muted me <laughs> so how long of a journey like is this a long-term trip they're on i mean they have to be far enough away from help that it, it can't be easily, easily obtained, right? Because it's, is this ship like big enough to have families on it? So that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like be enterprise, you know. Uh, but you could have a large ship. Oh, as for example, the Alien movie, they had what eight people out of a gigantic ship because it was a mining ship. So, and they, they were still able to do the cat and mouse thing. Um, if it, it was a colonizing I mean, ship, so it's got a bunch of families on board to go somewhere and well, drop the, them off. The thing, if you have a small, a small crew, you can meet everyone on the crew. So that's yes. true. So, you, so if anyone dies, it's a it hurts. it hurts. Or, but if you have a lot of families and stuff, and say like the murdery dude just decides to kill the entire daycare, you know that that hit would hit pretty hard too. Not the younglings. <laughs> Order sixty six. Hmm, I'm surprised he just didn't go for the full order 666. <laughs> Pet peeves. Younglings. No, apparently Robert Jordan liked the word younglings too. Oh. It's kind of annoying. Wait, did you block that out the first time you read it? <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so are the braid tuggings and skirt swishing more or less aggravating than you remember? I don't even remember more than like one or two so far. But we haven't really had the super trio of girls get together yet, so... Ah. They There's 14 books. It's plenty of time. <laughs> they haven't been passive aggressive of, yet? No, not yet. We've had plenty of baths. And yeah, there's like scenes when they just take baths. It's, Is this Wheel of yeah, Time? Yeah. I got to read these books. It's a great series that, oh, he does not do women well sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes he just like, oh, there's some scenes that are just 
really mundane and not necessary. And there's some scenes that are great. <laughs> so I, I think I think at this point in our story, it has to be at least six months out from any kind of mm-hmm. like they're okay, okay. they're okay. on the. I think they have to be like getting near or past Pluto. Like they're they're supposed to be the first ship to make it to Alpha Centauri. Okay. You know, so they, now we got this is a groundbreaking exploratory mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wild Cthulhu's out in space are the reason that we don't leave the solar system. Is that <laughs> <laughs> Wild Cthulhu's in space? <laughs> but if it's like the first, okay, do you guys see Pandorum? Mm. Okay, uh, it was pretty good. It was a few years old. Dennis Quaid was in it. Um, and basically, it was like a colony ship. Everyone was asleep. And then it was sent off into space and. It, it basically, some people were awake. They, they always had like a crew in like controlling <laughs> what was going on of maybe 20 people and then they would sleep and then they'd wake up the next crew essentially. Mm. At some point, that system got messed up and bad things happened in the rest of the ship and people would just slowly wake up and realize things were happening bad. It was a really good horror story basically. You could have a ton of people on a ship and only focus on a few characters if only a few of them are awake, but right. everyone else is still in danger. You get that? I mean, that's a very 2001 kind so, of thing. Yeah. So they've got a bunch of families in stasis, basically. <laughs> and the crew is the ones bringing them up there. And, and this would be a good reason as to why the most evil person... This is, this is why Hitler is essentially like one of the warp nacelles. Because they have to have someone so evil that they can power ship that far. So they literally had to get Hitler. Maybe not no Hitler himself, but you know what I mean. Well, like someone like super they, evil. I mean, technically, they have enough energy to get there. They don't yeah. need to have an evil person. Just they technically, they just need a person to torture, and they want to make it an evil person because then it's worth it. Right, but uh, but my thought was like the the torture like brings out the evil magic, or maybe so, or or maybe you know it is they need an evil person. So they can put them in their own fantasy chamber so they can do evil things and siphon off that really evil magic. So it's not that they need torture, pain, emotion. They need evil. Evil, yes. So so you need a Michael in a happy, do good things, and you need an evil person being evil. Yeah. Instead of happy feelings and torture feelings. Michael Mm -hmm. in in Rome? (laughs) Essentially, yeah. I kind of like the moral questions that go on more with the torture and, and experience machine things instead of so you or what you the could goodest do. person on earth just to put him in a room with the evil person so that you can power a spaceship that's questionably it's immoral different it is different but what you could do is you could if you wanted to have this really weird dynamic is so you have this evil person doing evil things right this good person doing good things and they're both in this virtual world well what if you hit them against each other in the virtual world and so they're actually like, when they wake up, they know who the other person is. So it's like, oh, I've been trying to kill you for 2,000 years. <laughs> I don't like that because it adds a layer that is unnecessary. And that's why we're throwing out ideas. Yeah. But like, I, I hope that explains it. It's just that them hating each other doesn't need to be there. Granted, nothing needs to be there. It's a fantasy story, so we give a fuck. But. <laughs> think it it doesn't add anything more but i i like the idea of like you need to go be tortured or something for the rest of your life for everyone else to survive even if you're going to enjoy it you have to give up your life and the idea of having to force someone into it so does the main conflict in the story is that just like survival is that is that is that what it ends up becoming in sort of do we have like some rando who's the main character, like you know, space janitor, like chilling out, like somehow becomes like the most important person on this ship? I'm trying to think of what uh, Kylo Ren's nickname was when he was the uh, janitor. <laughs> All right. That was a good. That was good. Uh, was that college humor? That was good. Might have been. Oh, that was just fantastic, though. A janitor might not be a bad person as a main character. So what, happens says- the, what happens if the evil person gets killed? And they need someone to do something super evil just to have someone there to be able to power their ship again. 
good moral question. Like, can you go into that room and kill a bunch of children so you can go power our spaceship to get us home? Ooh. And then you have to decide which one. <laughs> so who, who here wants to be evil? And who's the evil one? The one who decides who dies or the one doing the killing? Seriously, Janet is a pretty good character. Yeah, right. Like he's just like some mo. Well, I mean, there's there's that, but they also have the implicit possibility of real competence of like I know how to get into that room on this ship because right, I know right, I have, right. they know I mean, the entire ship maintenance and it's like yeah, it's like regular person plus real competence without fantastical explanations that are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So it's space quest meets Romans in space meets Dresden Files. Gnomes. Roger. And plus gnomes. Somehow. Gnomes. Where are the gnomes in this gnome? <laughs> Maybe everyone is just intermixed. Like some characters are gnomes, some characters aren't. Well, it's just if, if regular you people. have like Roman Empire meets sort of Dungeons and Dragons races, you could just have like, you know, dragonborns and stuff to get flavor. <laughs> So, like, you got your gnomes, you got your elves, and they're all just chilling out. And, like, the bad guy is, like, some, like, three-foot-tall tiefling that just, like, murders everyone and rapes them or something. I don't know. Maybe the janitor is a gnome because he can fit into smaller vents and stuff to clean them. There you go. (laughs) That works. Makes (laughs) sense. I can't help but feel weird because I I don't know if you saw that Vern Troyer passed away yesterday. Oh, don't make me feel bad. But now you're just talking about gnomes and I feel weird. Mm. I'm going to be a terrible person and go, who? Mini-me. Uh, me. Huh? In Austin Powers, Mini-me. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I liked him. Oh, he would have been perfect to play it in our movie when we finish writing the book and get it cast as a movie. <laughs> and Colin's going straight to hell. <laughs> so, more importantly, what are we going to call this thing? We have to have a catchy title. <laughs> we have to have a catchy I can't name things at all. I've come up with one good title ever, and that's about it. <laughs> okay. Actually, no, before before the title, how does this end? So the conflict is they're trying to survive. You have evil person, literally, like literally Hitler, running around the ship killing fuckers. Um, you have this good guy who we have to get back into his thing. Oh, it, Another thing you could do, especially for the good guy, is you maybe either some some genetic component or they have to be altered in some way to be used as fuel. So there's so, a very limited ability of who can do it. Right. So there there can only be certain people who can do it or or maybe there's something about like the altering where if you don't do it, you die quickly or you know, th- it would make it easier because then you would have to convince this, you know, good person to go back in, go back in, even though they realize they're living a lie. Yeah. So we have bad guy you need to subdue and shove into his box. Good guy you need to heartbreakingly feel sorry for and convince him to get into his box. Right. And then you have Cthulhu to fight using their life forces. Sure. But what what's it like? Is a is the jander there to like find help find the people? Like, is that his thing, or does he, he can or is find he the like? People. Well, see, I was thinking maybe he's harboring the happy person, the happy warp engine to because he's having a moral quandary about whether or not to send him back. Right, and yeah, so he. So, let's say that janitor is the only person awake for a little while. Something interrupts power fluctuations and bad guy wakes up and he starts running around. So Janitor needs to wake other people up to go deal with that, but they're kind of clueless on how like the ship works and then they start fighting with each other because they just got woken up from a thousand year nap and they're cranky. I don't like the whole like your empty ship idea. I think it needs to add some light to it. Yeah, you need like you need at least a few people who are there. Like depends i mean how so it's what four light years away from alpha centauri and how long would it actually take a ship that we could build in the next hundred years to get there oh uh, no and but then we have hopefully people because the romans yeah yeah so it's been six months and they're looking at another six months to get there yeah sure that works and hold on this is the first expedition we have to colonize alpha centauri and it only takes a year no no it's just the first time we built a ship big enough to get there so this is like, it's not a col- maybe it's not a colony ship, maybe it's just like a science team. Okay, so no more families. Maybe. Or maybe some families. 
Well, it's like, <laughs> well, it could be like the Enterprise, right? Like they just let the families go with them, so they're not bored. Bored. <laughs> Sorry, I just need to laugh about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, so crew and science people, but it's if you bump up the length of space travel to a few years, it makes sense for people to be asleep, and then you can wake people up as needed. Fair enough. Yeah, but then like yeah, there's a whole like gotta catch certain people up to speed, and I don't I don't know I don't I don't like the whole idea of waking you can you can skip over we can skip the waking people up and just have the crew and Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I'd like to, like, it would be fun if you have, like, a haughty Roman noble person who's annoying. Of like, I have to wake up the well, emperor person. I was going to say, maybe um, the bad person does something to the living quarters and they have to wake up all the families and get them somewhere else so that they can protect them. Mm-hmm. So now you that. get a bunch of woken up families who are all grouchy and, hey, I'm a Roman noble on this trip and how dare you wake me up and... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's good conflict. I think I like that. And then they need to convince everyone to go back into stasis, I would assume, because they're causing trouble. Granted, it may not be possible to put them back into stasis. And so eventually, like the end of the story, we ha- we we have to shove the jander and make his life like he's got to go back in one of the tubes, right? I mean, that's pretty much how the story has to end. Like he has to sacrifice his life. To make sure this mission succeeds. So him having the moral quandary over whether or not to put the good guy means he's actually the really good guy? Right. So he has this moral con quandary and like maybe he's you know, personally he's against doing this, but he under you know, and then he has to go in. Like he you essentially kill off the the protagonist at the end by so, shoving him into two. And I can just see like the door closing behind him and the story ending. Yeah. It's like super sad and <laughs> no, and no one cares because he's a gnome janitor, and no one cares about gnome. Like he doesn't even get remembered in the history books. It's just this—he saves everyone's life, and no one cares. So we are going the speciesist route. Sure. <laughs> so, so you're saying to be clear, good guy has to go back into the box because he's uh, got that genetic mm-hmm. thing. That so, but then the janitor just gets forgotten about. What I was saying is like. The janitor has to go in. The janitor, like, like, so, maybe, like, so the evil guy kills the good engine guy, and the janitor somehow can fit in to, to the good engine. I'm sure he could fit in. He's a freaking monk. <laughs> I mean, like, he's got the genetic thing too, or something. I like the idea if the janitor doesn't have the genetic thing because, like, he's really just a normal person. He's not special. It's something that I'm. I kind of gravitated towards. And the heartbreaking okay. moment of having to convince a good person to give up his life. That could be pretty rough. Right. Hadn't the good guy already decided that in the first place? Yeah, maybe not. Up? I No. You know, what if he was, you know. Drugged and Matrix, just thrown in there? <laughs> Matrix born, you know. In a tube and energy siphoned off. Matrix. Wasn't there a whole thing about how completely inefficient that would be for a robot society to do? Yes, but they yeah. did it that way because people didn't understand the idea that they just needed the process power of human brains so they made it batteries because people are, are more able to grasp that yeah why why because people don't didn't especially at that point the mass amount of people probably didn't understand what cpu was or how it works and i still don't so who cares but just 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 tell us it works that way and let us accept it even if we don't get it there are some things that people just draw the line of like, no that's ridiculous even if it's realistic okay so i i think i have the ending of this book I think the ending should be crash landing on Alpha Centauri. Okay, maybe. So here, here's my idea. <laughs> That's the epilogue. <laughs> so janitor and good engine person, they, <laughs> I don't know what else to call them. <laughs> I like how it's not the, like, the engineer, it's just the person who is the engine. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, so they have this, like, and you all probably shoot this down, but there's, like, some kind of romance there. And at the end, it's the janitor convincing this person they've fallen in love with to go back and never see them again. So the good person is- it doesn't have to be. Yeah, it could, they could be. 
The human gnome homoerotic. Well, now we got a love story between species. (laughs) Break all the boundaries. Hey, we get picked up in a heartbeat if we did that. (laughs) (laughs) What's sad is you all know it's true. (laughs) So it's like Brokeback Mountain with a gnome and a guy and they're. And a wild Cthulhu. Where is Cthulhu in this story? You think it'd be Cthulhu just outside on the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Watching. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we it, should have romance, though. So. It's always got to be rom- crappy. Usually it's a crappy romance subplot, but. Right, but if you have the romance, it actually makes the, like, the guy going, well, whatever. The gnome going back in. Even worse. As, like, it's heartbreaking because you have to have the jander convince them to do it. Like you could have this whole thing about how, like even in this perfect pleasure, they, they didn't get love right. And so the gnome has fallen in love and doesn't want to give it up even for this like life of, you know, bliss. I mean, it's not pure love or some, some bullshit like that. It's just kind of the details, but I, I thought about the, this experience machine problem a lot. And I really think, that the thing that people dislike is they really actually want their things to be real. Mm-hmm. They, they don't want a fake version of some love. They want the real version. And that is the part that they're never willing to give up. So right. even though he know he's going to have something pleasurable, he's still going to, at least for the moment when he's getting back in, going to know it's going to be fake. Mm-hmm. And that's a heartbreak. And that's literally what I just read in Wheel of Time, that testing to be a witch lady, they have to face their three biggest fears. And apparently her worst fear is literally her perfect life. Because it's fake? Yeah. She, well, she actually doesn't even know. Maybe she could have just stayed there and been happily married forever. But mm. she knew it wasn't really real. So she had to walk away. It, why not really real? Because it was some machine that was showing her her. Oh, okay. But they did tell, you know, some people have just never come out. So maybe she could have just lived it. But, you know. It, yeah, people are, are drawn to all of the good things being real. They don't want the fake version. It's the same idea of it, not wanting to be yeah. betrayed about how the world works, and at least in my opinion. <clears throat> okay, for the good engine, you know why they use gnomes is because Maybe gnomes does, like, are the I only thing thought they of can that person as being human. I thought that, yeah, I thought the gnome was a janitor. And the gnome is a janitor. The gnome is a janitor. Because we have mm-hmm. a cross-species romance tale here, right? Yeah, come on. <laughs> this is how we get sold. This is how we make like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it would probably be such a terrible movie. It, hey, we were millionaires. You like, won't care. It, yeah, I'll like just C-level. cringe all the way to the bank, man. <laughs> In like three years, we're saying it's some panel. Come on, come on. We're just going to be like, we're sorry. It's a shitty book, but we made a lot of money, so we don't care. <laughs> you can actually go back and watch the podcast where we literally just talk about <laughs> making sure this book gets sold. <laughs> now we're selling out our principles. <laughs> Principles. What principles? <laughs> what are these principles you speak of? <laughs> okay, so we have the ending. The ending is these. Okay, this the way I lay it out. Cross is... species relationship. <laughs> One of them is convincing the other to go back. Yes, and then once both engines are working, they have to fight a Cthulhu and crash land on Alpha Centauri. That's the way I lay it out. Okay. How do you fight a Cthulhu? Good question. <laughs> escape maybe maybe they have to escape the cthulhu fast enough and that's why it's a crash landing because they couldn't do it uh control so when does the gnome sacrifice himself who says the gnome has to sacrifice himself he, he just have to live with the guilt oh no no he sacrifices his, his love his yes. his self by convincing his only love to go back and maybe there's maybe we make something up about how gnomes can only truly love once and they have this whole like thing about like, <laughs> like <laughs> that's why you make it even better so like so we have this word for like this special kind of love this gnome has for this human like the smizmar from futurama you know i mean let's say that Crash landing or escape from Cthulhu was uh, dire enough and desperate enough that engines, both of them, died. So they had to push them past human capability until they yeah. got them going fast enough to get away, but it would kill them both. 
and janitor has to help, you know, colonize Alpha Centauri. And, By and lovelessly having sex. <laughs> you know, basically just live the rest of his life alone and heartbroken. Actually, that's actually a really good end. Because what you do is like this Cthulhu space being like starts eating the ship. And the only way to get away is to get them both back in and like punch it and it kills them. And so it's like, he's not only convincing his truest of true loves to get back in. It's, see, it's either to get back in. It's not or, just get back in. It's get back in and die. Right. Yep. Yeah, that works. It's actually a pretty good ending. For all the ridiculous shit we went through to get this, it's actually not that bad. <laughs> It only took about an hour. <laughs> Precisely what we needed. Yeah. Yes. But we still don't have a title. Uh, we need the title. It's got to be something like split cell or, you know, something, something to deal with the duality of the whole thing. Split, duality oh, of gnomes and humans. Split decisions. There you go. That's it. What was it? Split decisions. Split decisions. <laughs> That's it. It's perfect. We're done. Peace out. Drop the mic. Let's just write 100,000 words and be millionaires. We're done. We, we, done. we did it. <laughs> I'm kind of impressed with ourselves, honestly. <laughs> and, this is, and this, dear listeners, is why they say ideas are cheap. <laughs> yep. You have to write everything. I know. We just before anything before. I'm still kind of impressed. <laughs> I can't really get over it. I didn't think we'd make it here. Me neither. We had no preparation, no expectations of what was going to happen. We thought it was going to be a disaster. Wildly really. different ideas. And we are actually at 61 minutes. So if we want to sign off and call it a day, we can. <laughs> you said, Jacob, that like the ones that we have the least preparation for mm-hmm. turn out to be the best. And I have to say, you're probably right. So yeah, next we'll... week, no topic. Let's just go. <laughs> next we'll, we'll have a topic next time. Maybe an interview if we can schedule somebody. I'm tired of thinking so much. <laughs> Sanderson, sorry we made fun of you, but... <laughs> Please come on the show and, and run it. <laughs> Maybe we won't break down crying and laughing next time. <laughs> well... Um, you can check us out at Broken Jars at XYZ. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Broken Jars to help fund more episodes like this, apparently. <laughs> uh, you can find me at, at Jacob Ingles on Twitter. Uh, check out our other shows, the Dresden Files podcast, Great Scott, my new show, Sim Talk, here in the simulation modeling. Um, Broken Jars Broadcasting at gmail.com if you want to email us and tell us how terrible this episode was, which please email us and tell us about this episode because I would love to hear how we should do it. Yeah. Uh, tell us that we were gnome racist or something. <laughs> I'm speciesist. Yeah. So uh, we'll see y'all in two weeks. Bye.